0: Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. I want to invite all of you in the Building the Future community to join me at Supex, the startup expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this July 26th, where I'll be the MC. SUPEX is one of the largest and best startup conferences in the U.S. and the official gathering of the Building the Future community this summer. SUPEX has cutting-edge content, a cool startup competition, and a half-day forum this year called Hashtag Women for Women, the largest gathering in the U.S. in 2018 of angel groups, seed funds, and BC funds focused on female founders and female entrepreneurs. For more information, visit www.sup-x.org. I hope to see all my building the future friends there. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Alex Brown. He's the CEO and founder at Subscription Hacks. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You've done a ton of stuff and we'll kind of cover that in a few minutes. You're also doing something really, I think kind of much needed um, with Subscription Hacks, but maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, Let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: I actually grew up in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. So it's just a smaller town. About was eighty thousand. Now it's about one hundred and fifty thousand people outside of Toronto.
0: Sure, no, no, very cool, man. Um, so walk me through. You you went to um, college, university. Do you want to kind of walk us through your kind of post secondary education?
1: For sure, yeah. So, like, I I went to high school here in my hometown, and then decided to go to college and university. Um, Throughout high school, I'd actually been uh, saving up a bunch of my money. I I wanted to work really early in life, so I started working with my dad's uh, construction company, whatever he would let me do. Basically, from the age of like twelve years old, I was probably getting more in the way than I was actually (laughs) helping at that point. But um, you know, I just I, I saw what he was doing as an entrepreneur and. Um, you know I was just eager to get out there and to make money and to 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 build something and to build stuff so I put myself through uh, college doing that as well and kind of had a a construction company that was contracting for him and doing other subcontracting jobs mainly in um, I guess like landscape work like bricklaying and and different things like that so sure um, went to college university for business because I found it interesting Uh, no surprise there I guess and uh, when you're Like 16 years old and they're like, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? You just kind of pick what you're most interested in and hope for the best. Yeah, Uh, fair enough. Interesting part of that system, right? Yeah. Um, But I decided to stay at home and just kind of live in my parents basement and not really accrue all the debt. And uh, uh, yeah, put myself through school, got good grades. I was super, super excited to just kind of walk into the workforce and have this amazing job handed to me like I I kind of thought. But um, everybody else in my program for general business administration had the exact same hopes. And we all graduated uh, 2008, 2009, which was like the height of the recession that was going sure. on with the housing market collapse. So and I found myself applying for all these jobs that I wasn't even getting, that I was not even excited to get if I did get them. Right. Um, so I was, I was pretty disheartened. And so I went right back to doing what I could to, to make some money and was working in construction. I just found myself working really hard. I found it really hard to get leverage and to hire and train people that would stay on payroll instead of creating their own company, sort of like I did to my dad, ironically. But (laughs) um, yeah, so I I was kind of doing that and really wasn't happy. I knew it wasn't something that I wanted to do long term. And that I was kind of setting myself up for a different future than what I would kind of found myself in. So even though I was making great money as someone in their early 20s, um, I just started to Really, to start to write and blog and talk about this issue that I was facing and research it a lot deeper about youth employment and unemployment and um, what was going on with our generation, and found out that the the main problem I had when I was trying to apply for these jobs is I didn't have the skills to get the jobs um, and I couldn't get the skills without the jobs or so I thought. So I started to look into ways to get those skills, and that was through volunteering and working with NGOs and and different organizations that could use people that would just work hard and figure stuff out. Um, And eventually that found me in the startup world because there's plenty of opportunities for people out there who are working to, are looking to, to work hard, make some mistakes, but keep rolling with it and um, gain some sweat equity along the way. So I actually found myself working at a startup that was in the pharmaceutical industry and they did, international business development. So they would help contract money, manufacturers find clients or help a pharmaceutical company that was in Canada get into, say, the the American market or the European market by finding licensing deals. So I never thought I'd end up in that industry, <laughs> <laughs> spent a decent amount of time. And it was actually a super good experience. I had a great team that I was working with. Um, I wasn't super passionate about the work and I've never really overly enjoyed sales, but I got to to meet and connect with a lot of CEOs and vice presidents of global pharmaceutical companies, some of the bigger companies in the world. So it was a great, I guess, like up leveling for my experience and my confidence and, you know, who I was and the kind of pedestals that as a young person, just starting out, you tend to put people in the corporate world or in the business world up on, um, but kind of broke those down and kind of saw through those. And so that was a great experience, but once again, found myself in that, um, I guess that that stuck point of thinking to myself this is not where i want to be long term and actually you know started to look at other opportunities and was in i guess kind of like a crisis of faith of like what i want to do i was working part-time doing some consulting for pharmaceutical companies with that company still um i was doing some uh, some landscaping jobs because they would just pay exceptionally well sure. and just kind of looking for something and asking the universe for an answer and about that time i got introduced to a business partner, Chris, with all the ventures that we created together.
0: Sure. How did um, you guys right, meet kind of just out of curiosity?
1: It was through a mutual friend. Yeah, I was, I was actually uh, visiting a mutual friend uh, in California. Okay. They were close buddies and I had worked together and you know, he was just like, you really need to meet Chris. I know what you're capable of and I know what you're doing. And you know, Chris is this guy that's kind of got a million different ideas and is trying to execute them all and needs talented people that can like make that happen and, and execute on different things so it's just through that introduction and you know we were sitting around a campfire one night the last night of my visit and just having some beers and he proposed that I, I should probably move down to California get a work visa help him build a bunch of companies and it was really cold in Ontario at the time and I don't like <laughs> winter so um, it's kind of an easy sell. I, I just kind of
0: yeah exactly <laughs> well
1: I just kind of looked at it the same way I look at um, at a lo- risk in a lot of different areas of my life, which is, you know, if you can tolerate the worst possible outcome, sure. which was, you know, losing a couple thousand dollars in a couple months of your time, then, it, and you're really excited about it, then it's probably something you should look in doing. So, um, that's when I decided to move down to California, which was almost four years ago to the day, pretty much. Um, and we just kind of got right into building e-commerce businesses and making all sorts of mistakes and... Uh, it just sort of blossomed from there to to get to where I am now, which is still uh, very uncertain as to where I will be in the next four years. This, as you well know, things change pretty quickly.
0: Sure. So walk us through, because y- was your first company you guys did together Coolbox?
1: No. So I actually moved down when Chris had started a company called Vibe. Okay. Um, and it was this wearable notification band um, and... they did an indiegogo campaign that's kind of right when i came down and worked hard in getting the product engineered which is very complicated and got the unit shipped out to all the backers Um, but just trying to to find sales funnels in a process that worked for it and you know get the capital we needed because it was very capital intensive to produce the products and do all the marketing just realized that it was probably not the best idea for us to go toe-to-toe with the likes of Fitbit at that point in our career. And um, actually decided to shut the company down after we fulfilled all the units. So that was our first first endeavor and failure in California, if you will. Sure. So Um, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say like that kind of led to another idea that Chris's dad had actually called Range to Go, which was a golf product that we launched. It was a lot easier, but still super capital intensive. Uh, we got it in Dicks and a whole bunch of different sporting goods stores across the U.S. Very cool. Which dealing with retail was a whole different experience um, and frustrating in its own right. But um, we kind of let that product die off as well because the go- golf product, or sorry, golf industry was really tough to deal with. And we were we were selling and making sales, but we knew wasn't going to be this like tremendously scalable opportunity. And um, started to, uh, in the process, help other people with their launches because we'd figured out how to launch a product, which is, you know, an incredibly difficult thing to do and just took some trial and error and some serious costly mistakes. So we did what most people do when they need money and started an agency. And um, that was called Project Copilot. So we were helping out um, different people with their launch campaigns, a lot with Indiegogo campaigns and Kickstarter campaigns and things like that, videos and websites. And uh, looking to kind of just pay the bills by helping other people out, which, you know, mixed results. There were still a lot of times where we would Airbnb our rooms and sleep in the the garage or the backyard. Um, this is just when Airbnb was heating up in California. So uh, we were able to do that and and make rent and pay for groceries and stuff like that. And that's kind of when we decided to launch Coolbox, uh, which is a smart toolbox with lights and speakers and all sorts of bells and whistles and did that on Indiegogo, and kind of all the momentum that we had from the other two projects and all the connections we made, we were able to make that campaign go to um, almost a half a million dollars. Um, so wow, that's that was a really great, great campaign, made a big splash. Um, and Chris actually ended up with an appearance on Shark Tank for that. I remember watching um, that so. episode.
0: That when. So like when we connected, I was like, oh, I remember seeing the, <laughs> the actual episode of that. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was definitely an
1: interesting experience and um you know there, there was so much that we learned from that in itself but again like that product cost a ridiculous amount of money to make we found ourselves in this fundraising trap again and i'm sure a lot of people listening if you have businesses have found yourself in there were like oh man i need cash to produce this and it's going to take me a month and a half to produce it and the people that want to buy it aren't going to pay me for three or six months or whatever it might be for retail partners depending on who they are um and so we eventually found a licensing partner who helped us fulfill all the original units and get that kind of sealed off and okay. are now taking it to market and making some uh, modifications. But you know that was a long process too. And uh, it's, it's funny now, like talking about it like this, but in, in the, the moments of like, you know, how are we going to make this happen? You know, we've got no one wants to give us money and we need to give all these people, the products of the order, like this is a disaster. Like what are we going to do? And just sure. kind of like, continually like grinding and finding the ways that it worked and then shark tank was kind of a huge saving grace on that and a huge piece of leverage for us to find a partner and um you know continue with that pattern of validation until we could hand it off a little more
0: sure no i i think that's really great and you guys did a couple other um unconscious content um do you want to maybe kind of cover that and then and then how you guys did kind of dollar beard club and then we'll kind of get into what you're doing now
1: for sure, yeah. Um, unconscious content actually came after the Beard Club, but okay. uh, so I'll explain, I guess, how Beard Club came to be first, which was actually really like probably the, the, the least friction business that we ever launched. Okay. Um, because at that time we had, I guess it was six people that were living with us. We had this ranch in Southern California and we were just a bunch of bearded dudes trying to make it work. <laughs> and we were awesome. growing we were growing our beards, like not because we were going to start the Beard Club, just we thought it was like this cool, raw you know, use natural products. We were starting to, to eat a lot healthier and sure. more organic and clean. And we were starting to get into beard oil. Cause we're like, Hey, what do we do with these beers? Let's put something in it. And, uh, there's, there's quite a few products on the market out there and, um, some great companies that are still around that, that beat us to the market. But a lot of them were charging pretty high prices for the product, okay. um, which, you know, it isn't necessarily a bad thing as we found out in the end as a lesson. But, um, we kind of looked at it and saw what Dollar Shave Club had done. And because we were just like just huge fanboys of great product launches and branding, we're like, you know, we could do this, you know, stronger for this beard market and have an offering of what's out there on the market, but charge a fraction of the price of what they're doing and make our money up in volume instead of in the individual customer level. And so we, we built, you know, built our product offering and, and got a whole bunch of contract manufacturer quotes. And I went through the process. This is where, you know, it's funny enough, my pharmaceutical industry experience came in hand because I was able to work with all the vendors, find sure. the right ones, find the right manufacturers, find the right fulfillment partner, um, and kind of put that all together. And the, the everyone just kind of got it. Like, we built a small pre-launch list for pretty cheap because people understood the concept right away and people right. that were already using beard products were sort of like the low hanging fruit. Um, but we never really truly expected the reception that it got, which was, you know, at first just kind of pushing it out to that list. We had some friends and advisors in the company that, um, ran influencer marketing agencies. So they were able to get us like great deals on some posts to help us get this bit of snowballing, nice. um, going on, on the content, and the video that we put out and, it just kind of took off. We started getting talked about on Reddit and product Hunt, And then it was Buzzfeed, Huffington Post, Inc., like all like the the major blogs that you can think. It was just this giant viral snowball that actually took off. And um, it was super interesting to watch. But then we're like, hey, we actually, you know, we made a company that's doing <laughs> exceptionally well. It, it sort of sank in that um, we really didn't know what we were doing in a lot of different areas. It didn't have processes in place that a company – selling 20,000 monthly boxes of product or 30,000 then 40,000 b- boxes of product like actually needed so that things would run smoothly. Sure. Um, so we ended up, we needed to switch fulfillment partners um, because our, our website wasn't communicating right with their warehouse management software. You're running out of product because we couldn't keep it stocked in time. Wow. And we just didn't know what product mix was going to be. Um, there were a lot of different things. Our website was built in a way that, like, we couldn't add on things that we wanted to at the okay. speed that we wanted. So, like, even adding something like, say, a referral program, when you have twenty thousand active subscribers at this point, too, Shopify and WooCommerce, like, right. out of the, the, the so-called out-of-the-box solutions, yeah. didn't offer like a robust enough solution. Now they've come so far in the last three years. Sure. Um, but at that time, we built a custom solution, custom platform. It just wasn't able to scale with the kind of things that we were asking it to do. So that was just a huge pain point for us. So about that time, um, we started to get introduced to a lot of different mastermind events and digital marketing events and basically kind of the, the information and the people that kind of had the skills and knowledge that we didn't in terms of how to build sales funnels and how to, um, how to fix like the copy on your website, how to convert an offer better, how to do email marketing. Um, and how to build the systems that you needed to actually build, have a scalable company. So as we got introduced to those groups, all of the guys that were performance marketers doing, you know, 15, 20 million a month as like a publisher wow. or in just, you know, selling supplements, but not building a brand. They're like, how are you guys doing these numbers totally. without, without knowing all these like optimization tricks? And we're like, well, we, you know, we've built a brand and we've built, um, this experience for people that's beyond just the the product that we're selling, which, you know, our products are great, but you can buy beard oil anywhere. Why are people buying from us? And it was this feeling of belonging, and manliness feeling of being part of this club. So we started to get invited to contribute to these mastermind events and speak at these events. And after a while we were like, you know, why don't we throw our own event and start to do our own publishing and start to help people out. And so that's where unconscious content was born of. Interesting. this crazy idea that chris had and pulled me aside and said, hey let's do this event and rent this massive hill house in hollywood hills and um you know create this awesome atmosphere for people to learn bringing speakers because at that time we'd had our network had expanded to people in hollywood sure. shark tank experience we had people in the business community in the vc world because 500 startups had invested in us so wow. we kind of brought everyone together for this melting pot of a weekend and did a really big event and um you know, we thought we were going to make a whole bunch of money, but we ended up, you know, actually losing a little bit of money, but really helping out a lot of people in the process and building our network. And I found that, you know, this there's so many times in my career through all this where it's just like, Hey, I think we're gonna make a lot of money doing this. And at the end of it we're like, crap, we didn't make any money at all, but we learned this, you know? Yeah, totally. So there's, there's, there's all of these kind of stepping stones that you have to go through. And um, you know, I'm seeing Gary Vaynerchuk writing a lot lately in doing a lot of posts on just loving the journey. And that's honestly like the biggest lesson of my life is to just try and be present with, you know, the daily struggle and, and realize that that is life and it's not this you'll be happy when you get to this or like when your company sells, then you'll be perfectly happy and everything is going to be great. It's like, you know, doing stuff that you really enjoy doing, contributing, helping others and, and just trying to be present. So that's kind of the, the evolution that I'm trying to bring to my life right now. And, and that, appreciation and gratitude for literally all the stuff that i just said um and that whole journey um i'm sure something to be grateful for um in many many many
0: ways no i i it's interesting you bring that up because that's something that i've been thinking a lot about lately too even just kind of personally and kind of professionally it's like even with like as the show's been growing if like you don't have kind of a big win like every week or every month or every, you know, sometimes even daily, like you're almost like let down by that sometimes. And you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I thought this thing would maybe last a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. It's been, you know, almost three years now. Right. And so if you objectively look at it, you're just like, wow, this is really cool. But Sometimes you forget about kind of just enjoying where you're at, good, bad, or other, you know, and sometimes you, you think, to your point, like, you're going to make a ton of money doing something, but you get something that's maybe more valuable out of it, like a connection that leads to somewhere else, or you guys have leveraged kind of what's happened in your in your past companies and experience to build other companies on top of that, right? So I think that in itself is really good advice for people listening.
1: Yeah it's It's so much easier said than done because every day there are things that happen, and as a human it's just a natural tendency to react to them totally and uh, I'm just trying to bring my awareness to those things as a drop in the bucket compared to the long term you know this is what it is
0: sure, so what exactly is subscription Hacks or dot com and why did you decide to kind of found it
1: i mean i I really got this craving a while back of you know, I've always been really passionate about community building about okay. helping others sure. um, and that just I guess stems back from when I was doing work with NGOs and startup Canada and helping to grow the entrepreneurial ecosystem there and sure um, you know I kind of found myself in a position where I wasn't overly passionate about the day-to-day things that I was working at with Beard Club anymore okay um, and I wasn't, I wasn't giving enough to the business and I wasn't getting enough from it. Okay. And I realized that that, I just kind of, I'm sure everyone listening out there kind of had these moments in you too, Kevin, where you're just like, yeah. you know, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing. Like I need to change something. And so I just started writing again. I started writing eBooks and I was like, what if I took everything that I've learned in this process, everything that I wish I knew when we were starting that first company that would save all of these, you know, some of the multimillion dollar res- mistakes in retrospect, you know, how can I start to communicate that to other people? And, you know, should I build a personal brand or what should I do? And figured that, you know, the three things that really helped us most were the the knowledge that we gained from from doing this stuff and actually connecting with, whether it was 500 Startups Accelerator program that we got connected with, um, but just like actually having the understanding of basic things, sure. um, and that was what I was kind of writing out in the content that I was producing. There was the actual mentorship and the connection with the right service providers and not wasting your money with the, you know, people that were just going to kind of mess you around, but actually having people who have done it before so you don't have to reinvent the wheel totally. and then being connected with other startups and like these mastermind events and just sharing the secrets of what's working and what's not and keeping each other accountable and engaged because sometimes this is a very lonely road. So that's morphed into what subscription hacks is now and it's sort of Um, I guess you would call it an accelerator program where you would get all the content that I've created and continue to create, you you know, myself and with other experts that I've teamed up with and people that I've met along the way. Um, And then that, that network that I've built over all of this uh, experience is, you know, how can I connect people with the right people to help them save time and um, supercharge their business? And then how can I connect people with one another and make sure that, you know, you're getting the, the support you need from the people that you need it from more or less in that community. So, um, yeah, I've been working on it for, I guess about four or five months now. Okay. Um, and now I'm on it full time and, uh, actually been on it full time for a little while, but just uh, built a tremendous amount of content out. And I'm just, it's, it's ironic because I was like, once again, I was like, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach everyone how to do what I did. And ironically, in building a lot of the infrastructure that I've built, I've had to do all kinds of stuff that I have no freaking idea what I'm doing <laughs> on you know so I'm building out like an information product with different sales funnels and just trying to make it super valuable for people, but then I end up doing all kinds of copywriting and all sorts of stuff that I've never done. So it, it in itself has been an awesome learning experience for me, but it's also taught me a lot about how to help other people and how to help other businesses because I'd started to do that naturally. And, I just like to help other people. So I thought, you know, kind of like thinking back to when I was in, in high school and they're like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I kind of want to help people. So I've made that shift and pushed it forward into the world. So it's, it's been going good and I'm, I'm really excited about it. And uh, in itself, like I thought, Hey, once I launch this, it's going to be great and I'm going to help lots of companies. And now I'm like, Oh man, this is a, this is a process too. I'm going to constantly be like making this better. It's going to evolve. It's going to, Become different. It's going to change, and the more I focus on helping the people that are coming into the program, I found like the the easier it actually is to build it out because I'm not building what I want. I'm building what other people need.
0: Yeah, interesting. I think you touched on something again that I think we should kind of reiterate is that you're still constantly learning because if you look at like when I first kind of got connected through through Bob and and we were looking, I was looking at your. Well, to be fair, I knew who you were right away because of some of the stuff you've done. And then I kind of looked a little bit deeper on LinkedIn and all the other stuff you were involved in. And it's interesting because I think by a lot of people's, you know, perception, like you've been extremely successful. But I think the thing that, you know, you just mentioned that I think some people forget is even people that they admire or look up to are still learning and trying new things all the time and still sometimes feel like they don't know what they're doing all the time. And that's not bad. Like it's such a negative thing, but I don't see it as a negative thing at all. Like so many people see it as negative, right? But I don't see that as negative at all, especially in technology.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, It's interesting because there is this pressure to be, especially if like you're doing something like I'm doing right now, to be seen as some sort of expert. And it's this formula where you're supposed to be like, you know, you make somebody feel like they're not good enough and that you have what they need and that if you guys team up and they buy your crap, then they're going to be better. And, you know, the way I've wanted to position myself and the way I do whenever I do a talk, um, I just kind of started out by being super humble and saying like, Hey, listen, you know, this is what I'm, what I've done, but I'm going to be really clear. Like, I I still don't know everything and I'm not an expert, Mm -hmm. you know, and in that I'm sort of liberated from this pressure of having to say everything right. And just show people that like, this is, this is my process and you're going through your process. Mm -hmm. And I might've experienced different things, maybe more things or even just things in a different way that have led to where I'm at, but it doesn't mean that I'm at some like end goal and that it's like, You know, your chapter one can be totally different than my chapter 10, but you might get to where I am at 10 by your chapter four. Totally. So it's, it's like, it's very liberating. And I think like, um, there's a lot more people that are coming out a lot more humbly now, instead of just going like, Hey, I'm the expert in this because being an expert is really taxing. And, uh, the more I can communicate to people that, Hey, this is, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And this is what I know, but not like, hey, I'm the expert, follow me. And everything I say is true. Um, It's kind of just showing people who you really are is, like I said, truly liberating thing. And I think people like, you know, people can see through crap now. Yeah. And they can see through it when you're trying to be this pundit and like, I'm I'm this person and you have to follow me because I'm the expert. You know, the marketing's not new anymore. Courses aren't new and accelerators aren't new. Sure. People are looking for authentic people. And that's the same thing that I'm trying to help companies with in this accelerator program is really connecting with what your brand is providing beyond just your products and what your membership experience is. And I've done a ton of reading lately and a ton of research on uh, what companies are doing now to actually kind of bring things back to more of an old school way of marketing and selling, sure. which is. Building relationships yep. and adding value for people, and you know Gary Vaynerchuk. I, I just read like I've been listening to him for probably four years, sure. five years, and just went back and started reading all his books. And like in Thank You Economy, which I think was in two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Yeah, that's he a while sort of ago. calls that. Yeah, he just calls that whole trend, and now it's like really coming true. Yep. And you see big companies like Digital Marketer where they're now starting to put a dollar value on a conversation that they have with the customer because they know that that's going to pay off long-term instead of just, you know, what's the CPA on Facebook? What's the CPA on, you know, your cost per acquisition on Facebook versus LinkedIn and how do we optimize this? It's like, how do we get somebody into the funnel, make their lives better and easier, help them become the hero in their own story and support them for years to come. And that's, you know, honestly how you make the world a better place instead of trying to make money from people you try and help them accomplish the goal that your company set out to help them accomplish um, it's just i think it's just an amazing time to be in business and there's a huge shift that's going to be happening in the next three four years and it's already happening and there's a lot of marketers complaining about how it's harder to you know get customers on facebook and how it's harder to cut through all the noise there's not going to be any less noise there's just going to be more and more noise. Yeah. So it's, it's about standing out with that authenticity, with offering people value. And you know that's just been a part of my journey, part of our journey with Beard Club. And it took us a while to realize that we really needed to focus more on the customer experience. We needed to give people a lot more and, and cater to what they were actually buying into instead of just, you know, how do I sell them three boxes instead of two boxes? It's like, how do I keep this person engaged and in love with my brand? And wanting to talk about my brand for the next three years instead of, you know, the next two months. Um, so it's it's cool cool time to be in marketing and, and business. And um, there's also a lot of challenges that companies, especially big companies that touch you know hundreds of thousands or millions yeah. of customers, um, are really going to have to wrap their heads around. Um, so that's the strength of people that are just kind of starting out is building that model from the get go and that personalization.
0: Sure, you you touched on something that again I. I... I've been hearing from more and more people that I've had on the show is you're basically tailoring subscription hacks to what people are wanting. Like, yes, you have a, a like a version one, or let's call it that just for argument's sake. But yep. your version 1.5 or version two is going to be dictated by the people that are you know using version one. And I think people are a lot more loyal if they feel like, they're basically building the product and or service that they're using. Right. And they have potential yeah. to be with you for, for years, um, you know, maybe longer than that. And, and almost recruit other people without them expecting some sort of referral fee, because they're like, look, I use this product and I pay for it. And, you know, they've been really taking my suggestions hard and they've actually built content that I've really wanted. And like, that to me is basically the essence of what you're trying to do is that is that a fair to say
1: that's that's you completely nailed it right there and it, it's it's based on what I just said about like needing to rethink the way totally. that you're doing customer acquisition but it's also you know building that experience that people really want and finding those people that you can truly help that want to be a part of this thing and then become like your biggest brand advocates that yeah. go out and recruit new people and I think especially a huge thing that I love about, well, there's uh, many things I love about working with entrepreneurs. One is that they go do cool stuff. So if you can help them do something, that effect is magnified mm-hmm. by a ton because you never know what they're going to do. Um, the other one is that they, they naturally like to help other people.
0: And totally. that's kind
1: of why I've started subscription hacks. And that's why you do what you do. Yeah. It's because it's, it's really rewarding. Sometimes like the projects that you end up working on have such a long tail payoff where it feels like there's never like, you know, an end point where you're just putting in all this work and you get to a goal, but then there's just another goal and another one. Right. So if you can have a conversation with somebody else and you can give them an idea that they're just like, Holy crap, I never thought about that. They go and do that. That's such a good feeling. And it's really like the self actualization points for Maslow right there are just off the charts. So, you know, building a community where people can actually plug into that, and A, benefit from it, but B, give back to it and feel like they're building it as well. That's really what I've been you know, tailoring and building this program to be around because I think that that's going to be sort of the, the winning formula to help the most
0: people. No, I, I 100% agree. So let's maybe dive a little bit deeper into the service. So you're basically building this accelerator. How does it kind of work? Like If I come to SubscriptionHacks.com, what do I need to do and how do I kind of get into the accelerator?
1: So essentially, right now, I've got it set up. So we're, we're taking in kind of a pilot cohort to okay. get that feedback that we need to adjust it. Gotcha. Um, but we'll be shortly switching over to a monthly membership model. Okay. So somebody would pay um, what I think is going to be probably $100 a month to be in the program. They would come in and in the onboarding process, would actually personally look at what's going on in their business, they'd fill out a business profile so I can give them some immediate kind of wins and things to work on, basically the things that, that I see would help them right away. Gotcha. Um, and from there, then they would get access to the library of content that we've created, okay. the the networking kind of group area where they can connect with other entrepreneurs. And we do weekly events with people that are, just you know for example the the guys who did all of our scripting and videos for the uh, Dollar Beard Club and how we went viral with these like super low budget videos sure. will be teaching people how to do that for their business, like how do you create an awesome video with huge potential or how do you do acquisition or retention videos without breaking the bank so doing kind of weekly interviews, live question and answer with experts that can help them take like a certain area of their business and just kind of apply that knowledge at mass and and tweak that and do that so it's kind of like I don't know how scalable the, the personal side of it is, Sure, but I think that's a really important part of me and building this out is to be able to talk to people. And like we were saying, figure out what they actually need and, you know, give them that attention. And it might end up being where I will just kind of limit the amount of people that are in there sure. and be able to kind of work with them. Um, that's, again, that's part of my own evolution and figuring out how it needs to be to help the most people, uh, Sure, but that's kind of what
0: I'm thinking. Interesting. And and obviously, people don't need to kind of move to California or somewhere else. They This is all done online? Absolutely. Okay. I just want to make that clear because yeah, so some accelerators you have to like move for X amount of weeks or, or whatnot, right? Right. Yeah. Well, we, we did that program
1: with uh, 500 Startups. We did their advanced accelerator program, yeah. which is absolutely amazing. Sure. And if anybody out there from 500 is listening, I still love you and <laughs> I'm in no way comparing my platform to yours. Sure. Um, but that was really what it provided for us was, you know, the network was the actual hands-on learning and then like the mentorship. Right. So that was huge. And that's the the kind of formula I'm looking to replicate. The only problem is, um, a, you have to have a company that's worth investing in. And there's, there's, we've had multiple, I I know multiple people as well that have companies that have insane potential, but their valuation right now is crap for one reason or another. There's something that they have to fix in order for them. And it's like, there's eight steps that they need to get to to get to evaluation where an accelerator considered them. And then they have to give up equity that's discounted for the program fees is usually how it works. So oh, this is a really simple model. You know, if there's, there's absolutely no way shape and form that someone would come into this and not get the value that they're, you know, they wouldn't get a hundred dollars worth a month or sorry, a hundred dollars a month worth of value. There's like no conceivable way they get to keep all of their equity it's a super low barrier way of doing it. right? And, you know, originally this was just going to be a course that I was launching, but I thought that like, you know, there's so many online courses out there and the information that's that needs to be in this to help e-commerce companies that A, sell beard oil, or Z, sell pantyhose is completely different in various sure. ways, right? So there needed to be more to it than that. Um, and there's no way I could make a course that was, you know, I guess is effective for that. And also I don't think that having if you don't have that membership aspect to it and that um, the networking and mentorship aspect to it, then it's just another course. And statistically like, I think it's like 10 or 15% of people will actually finish your online course. And Interesting. Yeah, I'm not doing this to make money. And it's not like a thing where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try and sell, you know, $2,000 course and do a launch with a bunch of affiliates and try and get a bunch of money through the door. Like I try, I want to try and build something much more special and much more unique than that. Cause I think that's um, a lot more helpful. Not that, that's to say that some of the courses out there aren't helpful at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But um, I just wanted to be different and more unique than that. And so it's kind of like a hybrid course accelerator module or model.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, no, I, I get that. I think the other thing, too, um, that, again, like I, I haven't put out courses and I know a bunch of people that have and they've done really well. But I, but I think the thing that at least I've struggled with when I've taken kind of courses before is okay, I'm working through it. I finish it. I do my launch or or whatever. But then, you know, it's been 90 days. Now what do I do? And sometimes you can go back to the course and and get more content or you reach out to the person that did it and maybe they help you or, or whatnot. But it's people I think need to be in a community with people that are going through something similar because they could be like i'm trying to implement uh you know a new uh point of sale system and maybe there's probably somebody else in the community that was like you know we did that six months ago and we tried all these ones and we picked this one for this reason but if you need you know that this specific thing pick this one right and like that could save yeah. you just hours of time and it took that person that did it maybe like what, three sentences?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, on top of that, if there are enough people that are asking questions about a specific area, like I said, I, I couldn't make this perfect before I launched it or else I wouldn't have time. It's like, sure. if, there is, if there are a lot of people asking questions about a specific area, then I'm going to add that into the course. And I'm sort of sure. crowdsourcing like, hey, what what do I need to make this the best like knowledge base possible? that is at like the the foundation of what I'm
0: offering. Sure. Well, and the other thing too is um, not saying people that would potentially sign up don't have a big network, but you probably have a, a bit of a different network because of all the different kind of industries you've played in where if somebody that comes from one space says, hey, I'm really looking for a connection in this industry, you might be able to really help them with that, right? And then maybe that person can mentor for that person. And you never know, right? Like it's all kind of about networking at the end of the day. And you don't have to always do that in person. And it sounds like you're kind of would feel the same way about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's kind of the self-awareness of where I'm at. Like what I love doing is I love connecting dots. It's like, hey, you really need to talk to this person because I'm not an expert in Facebook marketing but by god are they. You should talk sure. to them, you know, and and making that introduction adds a ton of value because I had to go to a, you know, a $5,000 or $10,000 mastermind event to find that person that is the expert and, you know, for me to be able to to make the leap for people and just to pass that, that's a huge value add without me having to do that much. So like that's the the kind of I guess like the network and, and everything like that that you can bring to the table just by making simple introductions sure. and, and making those, making those lines of communication open instead of just saying, Hey, here's your course, go do it. It's like, Hey, your business is going to evolve and I can still help you. And it doesn't necessarily need to take up a ton of my time, but I can add a ton of value by making a simple introduction. I am just saying like, Oh, Hey, we actually did cover that in the course. Check this part out. And yeah. we
0: added to it. So I, I know we've kind of covered it a little bit, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into kind of some of the course material that you either have or, or is coming kind of soon.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've kind of I've had the trouble of how to organize all this information. Sure. I've kind of got 10 foundational elements that are there and um i'll send you a link so you could include it um, on this but you can find it at subscriptionhacks.com we have an ebook that kind of introduces these 10 foundations gotcha it'll probably end up being 12 or 15 by the end of this year because already getting some great feedback on what to include and what to expand upon sure um but it really is kind of everything that you would need in order to scale an e-commerce business okay uh, which covers a lot from even like the foundational you know, things like your your mindset and, and where you're going with your business and what you actually want to sell into branding and positioning, basically positioning your product, your company as a guide um, and, you know, your, your prospect, your customer as the hero in their own story and then getting into creating great content to build your brand. Um, and from there, it's, you know, talking about products. A lot of people already have their products. Um, it's not really necessarily like a beginner's guide, although it would be helpful for beginners, but it's really people that are already out there kind of building stuff and stuck at various points. So product development is more towards like getting new products and how to manage the products that you do have. Um, so there's a lot in contract manufacturing um, and you know product quality and stuff like that and product development, um, stuff on fulfillment, how to do fulfillment in-house properly, how to outsource it and what to manage everything from packaging to your minimum order quantities and your delivery times. Um, And it kind of keeps going on and on from there. Um, But then into like, you know, acquiring customers, how to use Facebook and LinkedIn and content marketing. um, And one of the most important things and something that I've been really shifting towards a lot and we've already touched on is retention. And how do you create an amazing customer experience to get to a point where, You don't necessarily need to be spending a ton of money on Facebook and just doing this war of attrition all the time to acquire a customer. How do you treat your customers so well and create an experience for them that they're going to be raving about it and they're going to bring their friends to it because it provides value and going back to this referral kind of marketing system um, and just kind of everything in between there. I know I missed a couple of the numbers in there, but it's sort of start to finish like all the different things that you need to think about and really juggle and balance uh, in order to scale your business, it typically kind of fall into four different categories um, that I found anyways. And one is kind of the business optimization thing. So that's finance and operations and order fulfillment, the stuff that we were talking about there. Um, there's marketing optimization, which is kind of on the flip side of that, where you're doing you know, your customer lifetime value calculations, and your customer acquisition costs, and how you increase and decrease those. And It's sort of like being a mathematician into getting to performance marketing. Um, On top of that, then you have a little more sexier things like branding, and that's like the content and how to position your brand and how do people interact with your brand. And then the fourth one is this like membership and customer experience and how do you treat them like gold and keep them coming back and retaining customers for longer and longer because um, there's just like – insurmountable evidence that shows just a small increase in your retention can increase your profits like bottom line profits massively so balancing those four areas unless you're kind of doing that and you're in the sweet spot between those four then it's impossible to scale and i know that because myself and a bunch of my friends who are running e-commerce companies Whenever they have everything locked in except for the membership experience, yeah. they're not retaining as many people. So they're just spending money to acquire customers, but they're going out the door. Or if you don't have your business optimization, kind of like everything else is on point, but your business optimization isn't right, then you're not profitable, right? So you're you're basically just kind of running a top line revenue business and you're in the churn business. So it's it's kind of like this matrix that I've developed and, and it's, it's tough to get all four of those right. But most important thing is to kind of bring people's awareness to this and what this like balance looks like and then how to find it for your company by finding like the easiest kind of path to to boosting those areas and increasing those areas and kind of getting your company into this form of balance it's always going to be a bit of a it's always going to be a bit difficult there's sure. no, no two ways around it there's no like hey here's the easy pill now your business is completely fine it's like you know, how do you make sure that with the limited resources you can ha- or you have that you can actually balance these areas out and sure. get to that point in the middle where you're growing sustainably?
0: Sure. Well, and the other thing too um, is if you have a product that's seasonal, right? Like it's only good in the summer. Well, parts of the world aren't always summer all year round, right? So, like things like that just are, are always kind of fascinating how you just balance even something like that, right? Because that's a huge issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge cash flow issue, especially I think for a lot of businesses. But yeah, it's um, th- there's so many little nuances and details like that, and that's what makes this difficult for me to try and make everything applicable for everyone. Sure. And that is going to take me time to actually do and build that in, um, because then, like I said, you know, people tend to go and start new things. It's very unlikely that uh, anyone listening right now that is building a business is going to be building that business for the rest of their lives. It's just sure. sort of like the way people work more jobs now i think entrepreneurs especially get really excited about an idea they bring it to fruition and they they keep growing it and they might get stalled but i think eventually they kind of want to sell the company or uh, start something new or even just do something part-time help other companies part-time or whatever that might be so it's about building like you know that experience base for for everyone so they can actually jump into something new if it's not applicable for them now so
0: yeah, that's actually yeah, that's interesting. You're you're right. I think um a lot of people even I would put myself in that boat, after kinda of the product's built and it's just kinda of running and you maybe have some feature enhancements and stuff, it kinda of gets a bit stale for, for me personally, right? And you're like either on a move on or sell off or or, or start something new, right? Like that's an interesting point. I, I think Sometimes people forget about that because they're like, I will do this for the rest of my life. It's like, well, you probably won't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've thought that about a lot of
0: things. but (laughs) Sure. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but I definitely want to mention that you are the keynote speaker in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida at Supex on July 26th. Um, You don't have to kind of give it away, but, you know, what are you kind of thinking of talking about around there because you and I are also going to have kind of a fireside chat but I'm assuming it's going to be kind of along the lines of uh, subscription hacks type stuff that we talked about today or, or what do you kind of have in mind to cover there?
1: Yeah I'm really excited for that event because I think it's a unique gathering of entrepreneurs um, and people that are investors and looking to get involved with entrepreneurs and find other unique people so um, I'm super pumped about that. Again, I'm stuck with like, you know, how do, how do I not talk too much about e-commerce? But sure. I think, you know, those the, the balance of those four key areas that I was talking about in mm-hmm. order for a company to scale, I think that's super relevant for any company in any industry um, is kind of getting those locked in. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And um, I guess just like different parts of my journey that I hope people can relate to. And as we've said before, break down this this person's on stage and they're an expert and I can never do what they do. It's like, Hey, like, you know, you're four years away from being on this stage. And this is, this is kind of like what you should do and like how you should look at things. And I'm um, just kind of, I guess, inviting people to look at things through a different lens. And I'm just really excited to, to connect with the people that are there as well and be able to walk around and talk and meet a whole new group of people. It's an exciting thing when you get plugged into a new network.
0: No, I a hundred percent agree. I, I think the other thing that's interesting that you brought up is it doesn't take that long before you could be doing some of the people like you just mentioned, like people being up on stage. Like I remember before I launched the show, um, I went to this podcasting um, panel actually in in Hollywood and I just happened to be down in L.A. for a conference and uh, I caught it. And so the people on the panel had been podcasting for three or four months. And you're like, really, that's it? Like, I, I don't mean that in a mean way. I just thought wow, like they're already talking about how they do this and giving really good tips and advice about this, right? So it doesn't need to be this decade-long journey before you're presenting, right? Or, Or talking to other people about how to do some of the stuff that you've already done. And it doesn't really matter at what stage in your career you are. I think you can give back to kind of anybody, even people that have been in the industry for a long period of time and you're just like, this is my new thought on kind of your industry, so I think that's really good Absolutely. advice. Absolutely. Yeah, for
1: sure. It's, it's again, it's it's that journey, right? And I have something to learn from people that are just starting out. Like they have something to learn from me. So um, the awareness of that journey and that process, again, it's still something I'm integrating, but it's uh, it's really huge and it's exciting to to have to, to do business in the day that we're doing it to have even like the possibility of podcasting and that being so easy just makes it such a fantastic time to be alive.
0: No, I, I 100% agree man, but uh Alex we're we're coming to the end. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and subscription hacks.
1: For sure. So my personal website's the alexbrown.com. and uh, if you're interested in subscription hacks that's just subscriptionhacks.com and you'll see some links to grab our ebooks and some more information about the accelerator program
0: perfect alex well i look forward to actually meeting you in person at the end of july at uh, supex and if people want more information about that it's supx or sup-x.org and i really appreciate you taking the time in your day to be on the show and uh have a good rest of your day man
1: you too. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks. All right. Thanks, Ben. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also, check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at ElectricMantra.com and keep building the future.